It's Dr. Manny. Welcome to Asylum. Today's topic is learning from mistakes. Why? Uh, Check it out. Uh, This episode was supposed to be an interview with uh, one of my coaching buddies in my, uh, my own coaching group about his story, his business, uh, my buddy Ted. So that episode will come soon. Keep an eye out for it. But I'm using a new platform. I'm using Anchor as my podcast platform. Uh, This is actually episode four because of that, because I've shifted to using Anchor and pushing it to iTunes and pushing it to uh, Google Play. So I'm recording from my iPhone and a bunch of stuff went wrong. (laughs) So what I decided to do instead is uh, look at that experience and see what I learned from it and how moving forward is going to allow me to improve my experience and my guests' experience um, coming to visiting asylum, etc. Okay, so topic is uh, learning from mistakes. Let's get it. Okay, so one of the core things that will determine how you succeed is how you choose to either react or respond to mistakes and in my mind the difference between reaction and response is that reaction is uh what i like to call amygdala hijack it's alembic acting from the past doing things that have worked before and running old stories Uh, often that involves bad habits and behavioral scripts that are maladaptive but that you just you can, it's easy to get stuck in those that's what i as- associate with reacting responding however is what i consider to be value aligned decision making value aligned decision making often you'll hear that referred to as uh walking in your purpose walking in your purpose means keeping in mind your why why you're doing something and i don't just mean an abstract why i mean a specific why that's measurable If you checked out some of the earlier episodes, I discussed different aspects of your why, your purpose, and your why not. And I'll be digging deeper into that later episodes. But point is that when something happens, often we set an intention, we make a decision to do something. And then there are steps within that intention that we're going to step through. For example, with the podcast, uh, the initial plan was send Ted a link uh, from within the app because the app has the option for inviting a guest to do the episode sent Ted a link from within the app Ted was going to hop on we were going to have a fantastic conversation that's how I imagined it uh, first lap because this is uh, I think we did three three attempts first attempt uh, I could not hear Ted and Ted could not hear me apparently so that was a bust. Uh, from there, I had a little bit of awkwardness, a little bit of negative self-talk. You know, it's easy in a mistake to ask yourself, what's wrong with me or what am I doing wrong? And not really, well, what is wrong with me or as opposed to what I'm, what am I doing wrong? When you ask yourself, what is wrong with me? That's called internalization where... You attack your character, you attack your sense of self, your intense of your sense of competence and just everything overall. And basically where that leads is to a set a, a feeling of shame. OK, 
that turns your attention away from what it is you want to do because you're going inwards now. You're thinking about all your flaws. You're thinking about every other time you've made the same mistake. And by the time you return your attention to what it is you want it to happen, honestly, the moment may have passed. It may not even be relevant anymore. You may have shifted your vibration so that you spend a little bit of time unpleasant to be around people. It may be that you have what's called defensive reactivity, where in that moment, you shift into a personality that's unpleasant that repels people. So the important part of learning from mistakes, uh, an important aspect of learning from mistakes is recognizing when you have that shift in emotion, when you notice a sense of shame. And for some people, it's somatic where you just when you make a mistake, you feel hot, <laughs> your head spins or immediately you, you find an anger and the anger is such a quick unconscious trigger that either it's an anger from negative self-talk inside because at some point in your life when you made mistakes, you were immediately chastised as opposed to having your intention clarified and feedback that guided you closer to your desired outcome. If that happened in the past, then your own internal self-talk might do it. Now, also, if you had that kind of upbringing or you find yourself in a culture where that's the way they interact with each other, you may have developed possibly a bit of a maladaptive style of quickly finding someone to blame. That works well for a bit, as long as you're in a power position where there are always people willing to bow down to the blame and, and take it for you. But it's also a, a mechanism of giving up your power. It's giving up your power because you don't have the opportunity to grow within that moment in real time in that experience in the accelerated way that you could if you, instead of going into a blame story and shifting the attention from the specifics of what you wanted to accomplish, uh, you stayed in the space of what is it that I want? Why is it that I want it? What does the feedback I'm getting from having tried to do it unsuccessfully tell me? And how do I apply that feedback to adjust my course to move towards progress. So going back to uh, to the specific example of my experience with Ted, uh, what happened is that uh, from there, I took a minute, I felt a little awkward. Uh, Ted and I are in a coaching group together again, so we've known each other a few weeks now, but it still it still felt kind of kind of bad because I'm taking up his time and I value his time. And um, I don't want him to think it's my fault. I don't want him to think I'm doing something wrong. I don't want him to think I'm incompetent. That, that always kicks in. But so I also don't want Ted to think I'm a quitter. <laughs> so I sent Ted a quick text message. And then from there, uh, we tried a second time. We uh, there were a couple of things going wrong and we stepped through and we did some troubleshooting. But what was awesome troubleshooting with Ted is uh, collaboratively, he has a mellow personality, which is awesome, where uh, he, he's he's a tennis coach, by the way, so he's got to have that patience to work with people. So even in the midst of my making a ton of mistakes, he was still super gracious about stuff. And, you know, we, we both stayed really super present, went through a list of things that could possibly be going wrong to the point where we figured it out. It took uh, several tries. Now, here's, here's what's funny. Uh, I don't know if it was the second or the third try. One of the tries we couldn't really hear each other well. On another try, the signal was awful because 
I like to do these from my car because I like when I'm recording, I like spaces that feel a bit like a a weird hermeneutic cocoon shell type of thing. Hermeneutically sealed cocoon shell. Is it hermetically sealed? Hermeneutics is meaning. Hermetically sealed. Yeah. <laughs> Hermeneutics is, is a meaning construct. Is a, well, never mind. <laughs> it's It's more to do with biblical interpretation and stuff like that when you're dealing with hermeneutics. But I digress. So in the midst of all that, these were all mistakes that we stepped through and adjusted. We were talking and stuff was sounding bad. He was low. I was low. So we were like, hmm, that's the specific thing keeping us from the desired goal. The why. The why are we connecting? We are connecting because um, we are connecting to do a podcast. Uh, we want to deliver value to each of our, both of our audiences, uh, each of our respective audiences we want to talk about some quality stuff. So we both want to be in the best mood, the highest vibration. And that means kind of nurturing each other through the process and supporting each other through the thought process. And each of us taking an empirical objective look at what we believe to be wrong and trying and making some changes. So we we did that through several iterations. Finally, we came to realize I had this awesome new lavalier mic that I bought to improve quality. Guess what? When I put the level, is it lavalier? I think it's lavalier. Um, it's a Rode, Rode Smart Lav Plus. That's what I'm using to record this. So when I plug that into my phone, I can't hear Ted. So as it is, one of the lessons we learned in our dyad, kind of stepping through this, is that when I'm doing calls where cli- uh, clients and uh, interview. Um, and guests, and even my listeners call in, this mic's not going to be so awesome for that. I'm going to have to do it with the iPhone mic. So the lesson from that experience is to move, uh, is to put an actionable to see how bad is the quality of my iPhone mic, and is it the kind of thing where you guys hate listening to me now because I'm not using this little sleek, pretty mic that I was so excited about getting. Let's see, what are the lessons? Uh... I think the key, though, for me has always been to take a specific event and be aware of the pain points, solve those problems, but really more stay connected to my higher character so that on the other side of whatever number of mistakes it takes, well, first of all, to avoid getting discouraged such that I end up walking away from the event in a state where I don't feel like I grew and I don't feel like I got what I wanted. Now, in addition to that, one of the key principles that uh, that I love and my mindset coach, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, instilled this one deep in me during our, our years of training is maintain your sense of integrity. And what that means is whatever it is that I decide to be most important to me, I want to maintain that through the whole process of solving the problem. Because what happens, and remember earlier I talked about feeling hot and uncomfortable uh, when things start to go bad. Well, what happens with a lot of people is when they shift blame to blame mode or to anger mode or to guilt mode or to worry mode, none of those modes is adaptive. And really all those modes are out of integrity because they are no longer connected to the empirical truth. In all of those modes, you've lost yourself in a story. Okay? You're revving your system, you're bathing yourself in cortisol, and 
in your mind, there's a representation of whether it's wondering what other people think, what they're going to say, how stupid you look. Uh, that applies in particular when you make a mistake on a stage in front of a live audience or uh, I do a lot of live uh, podcasts and stuff like live stuff on Facebook, live stuff on LinkedIn, live stuff on YouTube where the audience is there. Once you go, you go. So one of the key things your audience experiences is your vibration. When you are out of integrity, your vibration goes lower, which essentially means you're not as present. You're not feeling as powerful because you've projected some of your power away to an external locus of control, to a, a story that you needed in that moment to uh, guard your ego instead of connecting immediately to the truth in the moment and allowing yourself to grow. So some people call it being trapped in identity. It means that there's a story about yourself that you tell yourself and that story has a lot of fear-based measurements. And there's a role that you play in that story, a character or persona that you want to be perceived uh, as being. And you imagine sort of an, an, is it inflexible or unflexible? Rigid. Let's go with rigid. You imagine a set of rigid judges and a set of rigid rules in society. And you're sort of stuck in your past of your initial preconceptions and understandings, usually understandings from way in childhood, <laughs> where when you were receiving some negative feedback, it may have been too loud of volume. It may have been too early for you to developmentally develop a deeper developmentally develop <laughs> recursive. <laughs> uh, it might have been too complex at that time for you to process either emotionally or logically so as to create a conscious construct as to what was really happening and so you may have just decided at that point that I'm not good at this anytime this comes up later in life I'm going to go ahead and shut that system down and it became a part of your personality where you just can't learn in that situation anymore you know it's just some something you just don't do and have forgotten why so I want to make sure I'm hitting the key points. The key point is that in order to learn from mistakes, you have to keep your purpose, your why in mind. You want to keep the desired outcome in mind. You want to also make sure that at each step, you have a clear intention of what that step is and how it fits in the other steps in your process. Because each step, based on how it fits in your larger process, has uh, a value, you know, whether it's I need 10 push-ups every day or... I need four glasses of water every day. Whatever it is that you've decided to set as an internal standard as to what the performance is, that's something that you want to adjust gently, lovingly, kindly, forgivingly in your internal model so that your standard matches the outside reality. When you don't do that, what happens is the guilt, the shame, the blame, whatever deflection or ego defense system you use in that moment and we call them immature defenses uh, when they're not when they're defenses that were childlike and kind of are stuck in an early developmental stage whatever defense you're going to use again it's disconnecting you from your power and it's decreasing your your efficacy your your effectiveness in that situation is it's keeping you from remembering from walking in your purpose, to use the sentence from earlier, to, from walking in your purpose, because it's preventing you from remembering why you're out here doing this thing. And then you're turning your attention to kind of beating yourself up. And in the process of beating yourself up, 
you develop an aversion to revisiting that context, that situation, that problem, that question, that idea, that person, that opportunity. Literally, this is when an opportunity becomes a threat because it becomes an ego threat. And every time that context comes up, you run the old stories again about the selfish, that lower your self-esteem. And you remember the criticism from the past and you start to worry that you're about to walk into another round of criticism as opposed to locking yourself down in the present, seeing what's really going on, getting an idea if it's something you're capable of doing or asking someone a resource for help. Uh, asking someone who knows better, outsourcing it because it's something you have decided you hate doing forever and you're over it. So all those elements, opportunities to learn from any given mistake. And here's the beauty of it. When you actually focus part of your energy on learning who you are in any given mistake, who you are becoming and clarifying who you want to be, getting... um precision on how you want to show up in the world and how you want to apply your um, your principles and how your values look like enacted and what the vectors are in your life that carry your values. When you use each mistake as an opportunity to grow, uh, I think I saw a quote that said, uh, I don't ever fail. I either win or learn. So then you develop that way of being. And then that's when you turn what to a lot of people is interpreted as a threat to an opportunity. You develop that intellectual curiosity at approaching ideas that previously you may not have been prepared to take in because it's a chance to get to know, am I ready for that yet? Have I reached that stage? And if not, do I still want what is on the other side of that effort bad enough to continue to focus and if you decide you don't want it you can let go of that goal as opposed to carrying it for the rest of your life as a situation in which you were defeated instead it's a situation that you decided um was not a high of high priority to you it wasn't worth whatever you had to go through anymore but there's no damage to your to your your sense of self no damage to your worth and you know you don't do all the ego uh, ego defense stuff that pulls you further and further from your reality and decreases your overall sense of empowerment, shifts your locus of control, your sense of power from in you to out in the world, something beyond your control. You don't you don't do that damage to yourself. You don't do damage to your relationships because someone else doesn't start to associate you as always criticizing them when you're making mistakes. So people start to see you as someone more self-aware as opposed to someone toxic and self-loathing. All those elements happen when... Oh, and one last thing, just to use the buzzword from Carol Dweck's book, this is the fundamental uh, crux of having a growth mindset as opposed to... uh, a fixed mindset. She's got a whole book about that if you want to dig into all the data, all the research about it. Now, another, uh, if you want to stay in the mindset frame of reference, often you'll hear people refer to this as the scarcity mindset as opposed to the abundance mindset. In abundance mindset, you're willing to learn because you kind of assume that you're not going to die. You're not going to get kicked out of the tribe. You're not going to get permanently insulted. Uh, your ego isn't going to get you know, you're not fearing ego death. Whereas in a scarcity mindset, in your imagination, there's an imaginary tribe that is waiting for you to make mistakes. They're going to lower you in status with each mistake. 
And at some point, they're going to punt you and decide you're not worthy. That's all in your imagination. So we're at the 20 minute mark. And one of my goals, uh, one of my own personal standards uh, is to keep these podcasts, uh, the one on ones, the ones where I'm here by myself to 20 minutes, around 20 minutes. So I'm really done talking. (laughs) Thanks for joining me in Asylum. Uh, Tune in for our next episode. It's Dr. Manny. I'm out.